0: hello the amazing people out there and welcome to the amazing action comics podcast where we are all about independent comics i'm your host angel with phil pepe how's
1: it going angel
0: Ooh, oh it's it's another week that's how it's going allergy
1: uh, season is in full swing
0: oh my god everywhere right so people oh. are sneezing and then people are ducking it's like no covid <laughs> right i, like, I know oh it's <laughs> like people have to walk around like fucking in a car that says I don't have COVID. I have allergies.
1: And then when you when you have allergies, your eyes itch uh, for a lot of people, like me. Yeah. And then it's like you want to scratch your eyes with your fingers, and you're like, ah, oh, I can't touch my face. <laughs> still, two and a half years.
0: Yeah. Because then, fucking, get you walk away with pink eye. <laughs> right.
1: Pink eye or the COVIDs or whatever.
0: Yes, yes. 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 Um, that's
1: why. That's why I like old Star Trek because Kirk is always touching his face. Uh When he's, like, thinking or he's on the captain's chair. And I'm like, ah, at least in the 23rd (laughs) century, we could touch our faces.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because there's, like, little fucking filters on their fingertips (laughs) and everything.
1: Um,
0: All right, there, you amazing kiddos out there in the world. Welcome to episode 64 of the Indie Comic Review. Uh, We do have a couple of comics for you that we reviewed for the week of May 11th. However, before we get there, just a couple of quick announcements. Um, Yeah, I mean, we just... We spoke about Neil Adams not too long ago, and it's crazy because now we're getting to an age where we're going to start seeing people drop like flies. Yeah. Um, we're going to do this every week now, unfortunately. Yeah, it's just fucking crazy. Just uh, Yeah, so Neil Adams recently and, and over the past weekend, which was uh, free comic book
1: day on Saturday, on May 7th.
0: Uh, we had another legend pass away, George Perez. Yeah, this this one
1: hurts. This one really hurts. I mean, if Neil was the real deal, like George Perez was comics personified. Um, uh, you know, I mean, you don't have to say what he did because we all know what he worked on, the, the right. big things. And, you know, we've talked recently about the JLA Avengers and stuff. But something that came up that I noticed was like, I guess there was an old uh marvel uh letters column or something mm-hmm. or one of the old marvel magazines and, and and is a picture of baby george perez in it and mm. so like even when he was like a young child apparently like he had his his baby picture in a comic book in like the 60s or 70s like like he goes that far back or something like that as far as like yeah. being part of comics right yeah yeah, and-, and there's that
0: there's that old adage of, uh, you know, never meet your heroes because you'll be disappointed. But he's that, that doesn't apply to him at all. Every person that's ever spoken to him that has met him has because I never had, you know, the opportunity to meet him. Um, they just said that he was probably one of the best human beings that you could ever meet.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. So, I've never got to meet him either, but everything you've been reading, and and even in the last few months, as he's been in hospice and people have been visiting him, and you know, as as things were winding down for him, uh, apparently he just still had that great attitude, was always welcoming people if he was healthy healthy enough to welcome them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just uh, and then again, you can't discount uh, not only just a really nice, genuine guy by all accounts. Uh, an amazing artist I mean There's for sure you can you can Just almost pick any page right And like be like this is one of the greatest comic Pages ever this is one of the greatest sequences ever yep. I think for me a standout is uh Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, The sequence of the death of Supergirl mm. uh, The light and shadow That he uses in that mm. sequence It's just is very powerful Uh, And just and just you You know uh, without any words Or any text like you know exactly What's going on in that sequence the man's anatomy was always on point and inspired so many artists as well who grew up in the 70s and 80s you know guys like alex ross phil jimenez i mean you could see the george perezness uh in their in their yeah, artwork, influence you know yeah. like yeah. yeah just uh just a tremendous loss and um you know but you know he's got this wonderful body of work that we can always go back to and 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 relive that art
0: you yeah know? which and and other artists you know, coming come into the pipe of study i mean i had an opportunity to read that JLA, you know, uh, crossover with the Avengers. And holy shit, if you want to, you know, just be schooled on what comics should be, let alone just art. Like, I mean, just composition alone, just detail alone. Like, I, I spent... Like it's four issues, but it took me like days to read it yep. because I'm admiring it more than anything else because it was just fucking beautiful. So, yeah. So, this body of work just speaks for itself. But just, you know, to have that and then to be, you know, a superhuman being and really nice and stuff like that, fuck, we just need more people like that. Yeah. Um, and and it, he it... gave us, he gave us the last like, greatest crossover that we'll probably ever have yeah from this these two companies so yeah yeah yeah.
1: and and, you know and again that they did come together to get a paperback of this book out Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that he could see it before he died which is really really cool and let's let's let them, you know. Let's hopefully they'll keep this ball rolling now that he is gone. That that maybe we can see more work between the two companies, all in tribute to George and the efforts that he put in. And again, you to, to your point, you know, a lot of artists when they do these big crossover books, they dread them because they have to draw all these characters. And George Perez was like the one guy who's like, "Give me more characters to draw. Give me more yeah, figures to put yeah. on a page." And then, like one of the amazing things of that Avengers, he he even was like. Well, I, you know, I don't even just want to draw all these characters. I want to draw them in all the different things that they've worn in, like you know, over the years, panel to panel, right? So it's yep. like, so he just he went all out on that book, and you could tell it really was just a labor of
0: love, you know? Yeah. So yeah, George Perez will miss you, man. But your your influence is going to be around for a very, very, very long time. Yeah. All oh, for that. So, um, okay, yeah. So moving on. Uh, yeah. So before we get into the uh, reviews for this week. Just a quick reminder that uh, the Project Shadow Breed Kickstarter is still going. I think we have less than 20 days on it. So just make sure that you guys visit AmazingActionComics.com um, and it'll give you the link to the Kickstarter and there all the information on there, all the rewards tiers and stuff like that. Um, yeah, are on there. So get out there and, and show some uh, indie love and support uh, for Project Shadow Breed, which we're really excited about. You can hear it in my voice, can you? Yes, yes. It's titillating with joy. And excitement. (laughs) Um, Cool. All right. So, yeah, we'll mention it again at the very end of the podcast. But moving on. So we've got three books for you this week. Uh, Phil was too lazy or uninterested (laughs) in one of them. So I guess I'll start then. So we've got, uh, we'll start out with 8 Billion Genies. This is from Image Comics. uh, And it's from the guys that brought us Curse Words. So Charles Soule and Ryan Brown, uh, which, you know, I read Curse Words and I really liked it. So I didn't finish it. I still have to finish it, but you know, this these two together uh, really start you know really solid storytelling, and and art put together. Uh, you have letters by Chris Crank um, as well. So what can I say about this book? It almost threw me off because it came with like ninety thousand covers. Um, I don't know for some reason, Image has been doing like multiple covers. Um, and when we say multiple, is multiple is not two. Two is like two. There's like four or five covers on this right. book. Um, which is insane. But, you know, I mean, one of the main reasons I got it is because I had one of my favorite artists uh, doing one of the covers, uh, Jenny Frizon. So I had to get that cover. Um, but then, you know, seeing Charles Souls and uh, Ryan Brown hook up again uh, to do a book, um, that had me intrigued as well. So uh, and one of the covers threw me off because it had the magician or the, the main character, the protagonist from Curse Words. So I thought this book had something to do with Curse Words. And the bartender that's in this book looks like the guy. But I can't remember the uh, guy's name for the life of me um, in curse words. So I don't know if it's the same guy. Um, Hmm. But it it may not be. It's just me freaking just taking whatever I've done in the past. (laughs) Um, All right. So what do we basically have? We have a book, right? It's called 8 Billion Genies. Eight billion people on the planet. Guess what? Eight billion people get a genie. So this is basically just following this this, uh, bartender in this bar that's that's called a Lampwick. Um, And, you know, there's supporting characters within... Uh, the bar where, you know, a, a story is being told um, from different perspectives. So you have like this band that's setting up um, to play in the bar. You have the bartender who's actually, you know, talking with a young child who's about 12, who has his dad who's passed out on, on the counter of the bar because uh, his young son has come to pick him up. Um, and then you have all these different conversations that are happening. And then it, it kind of threw me for a loop because I, I don't know honestly what to feel about this book. Because I can understand the story, but you know how we have sometimes like these time jumps that just happen and you don't know what happened in that fucking time jump? We have something happen in this book. So basically, as the story is being told, almost about a quarter way through, there's a cut scene that has nothing to do with what you've read before. Hmm. Um, So we're looking at, we're in a bar um, in some town somewhere, and then all of a sudden we're in Paris and we're looking at a baby being born. And as soon as that baby's born, all of these genies pop up. They're like these little blue things. And every single person has a genie assigned to them. Hmm. Really fucking weird. Yeah. After that, then each one of the genies is telling their people, and this this is over the entire world, is letting them know that they have one wish. Not three wishes, just one wish. But to be careful what they wish for, because it's not just the wish. It's the intent behind the wish ah. that allows it to be fully fulfilled. Ooh, I like that. Yes. So then all of a sudden, the bartender makes his first wish and the bartender wishes that anything that happens outside, any wishes that are made outside of the bar don't affect the bar or what's inside the bar. So automatically <laughs> I thought, holy fuck, that's great. Because even if the planet goes to shit, Nothing's going to happen to that bar. So everybody who's inside of it is safe. And then it's it's it, it gets really clever because it, it, it you know uses full pages to say okay here's what happens in the first eight seconds, um, and then so you have a round planet, and then it says population human population uh, eight billion, and then genie population eight billion. <laughs> that's in the first eight seconds. Then it goes in the first eight minutes. The planet looks like a cube. So it's no longer a circle. So somebody wished for the planet to be fucking flat on the <laughs> And then it says human population, 7,999,000,000. Uh, <sighs> and then it says genie population, 7,998,000,000. Uh, huh. So, yeah. So, so people are obviously using their, their um, wishes. And then, so whatever was happening with as far as like the drama with the band, and what was going on in the bar with the father... Um, and the son that's still happening but then all of a sudden they hear this big boom outside and when the father who finally wakes up the drunk guy wakes up and opens the door uh there's a huge splash page of all this freaking shit just going on you have like uh zapping lasers going on um places you have like flying cars you have freaking somebody riding a t-rex that's eating like two people mm-hmm. um you have like this big freaking four by four uh, with, like, these uh, hillbillies in the back of it screaming Yahoo with a big pile of gold and, and, and diamonds on it. And then it goes through a whole sequence of, like, panels of people making their wishes and what they're wishing for and stuff like that. Um, so it was interesting. So I, I, I don't know what to feel about this book. Um, it, like, it gave you enough, and but it let me, at the very end of this, I, I want to know where the fuck is going, to be honest. Because, <laughs> like, like, you want to talk about pacing? from the very first page to the last page, like, so much stuff has happened in less than 10 minutes. Because if we look at it in real lifetime, from the conversation that they had in the very beginning to when the genies popped up and when people started making wishes, was probably maybe a half an hour. So, Hmm. to me, like real lifetime uh, timing on it. So, the pacing in it was really quick. So, the only thing that threw me for a loop is where the genies came from. And if that those genies... When they popped up, are they associated with the birth of that baby? And mm-hmm. if so, what the hell is that baby? Right. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm probably not giving it the justice that it needs because it's fucking the weirdest concept that I've read and, <laughs> and, and unique concept too, because obviously we've read so much shit that stuff starts to overlap. Um, right. but yeah, I mean I'm intrigued. I hope the payoff is good because shit moved in here really quickly. And yeah. I was and then I started thinking, I was like, fuck if I had one wish like if you had one wish what would you wish for like you had people here wishing they could fly you had people here that had riches but obviously the more rich you get then the value of the money is less right 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 so obviously we wouldn't want to do that but if you had one wish what would you wish for
1: yeah, I've never, I've never given that a thought. I've never thought about that. I guess that I'm just content with what I have, as much as I complain.
0: Oh, <laughs> no, fuck that. You could always use more. It's just could more something. Use... Maybe, uh, maybe uh, okay. I, like, like my cock just reached the ground but maybe they would shorten my legs.
1: <laughs> right. Or, or, or it would always hit the ground. Yeah, you always... can't do anything about it, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess, uh, I guess I, uh, a new set of tires because I desperately need those <laughs> and don't have the money for those.
0: But here's <laughs> what's crazy, right? So we always look at genies and stuff like that and everything that we've seen from like freaking Aladdin to uh, Sinbad and the Seven Seas and shit. Um, the genie is always one and one-to-one ratio, right? Yeah. Person. So imagine if eight, like the entire planet had one wish. Yeah. Like how fucked up would that be worse than Thanos snap? Oh, yeah.
1: Because it it would be be insane. Yeah. yeah.
0: Because, I mean, honestly, the the only person that really made a a smart wish was the bartender. But Hmm. they need to stay inside that bar in order to secure their safety and the safety of anybody else right so yeah eight billion genies i mean it's interesting i don't even know what it'll be classified i guess on the sci-fi magic whatever but it's just really fucking weird and charles Souls just has this weird freaking i don't know imagination so <laughs> I, i'm i'm going to continue with it because i honestly want to see if it's if it's worth the payoff i'm almost positive this is a mini so it's probably going to go maybe four to six issues All right um but yeah i'm definitely going to check out issue two to see what happens uh, cool with these guys cool. and how they resolve it so check it out, guys. 8 Billion Genies.
1: Um, mm-hmm. All right, you choose. Next one. So the next one I'm going to do is uh, from a brand new company. Uh, sure. This is their first comic publication for direct market sales. Uh, the company is called Incendium. And their comic imprint is called Opus, mm-hmm. uh, art-inspired stories from Incendium. And this is Frank Frazetta's Death Dealer. Story by Mitch Iverson, art by Stefano Martino, colors by Luis Antonio Delgado, letters by Jacob Basqui, and edited by Lexi Leon, R.G. Illarania Denton J. Tipton. So you had three three editors working on this thing. Um, and, okay, so I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of Frisetta's artwork. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are, um, you know, I, 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 grew up with his Conan covers uh, from the old paperbacks when I was buying them at, at, at this used bookstore in Ridgewood, New Jersey, you know, in eighth 6th, 7th, 8th grade, you know, just racking up all these, these, these little paperbacks with these gorgeous, beautiful, lush, dense covers by Frank Frazetta. And uh, so when it comes to, like, Conan, like, he's my guy, right? I, you know, uh, as far as, like, for the fully painted experience. Um, and one of his most famous paintings is this one from 1970 called The Death Dealer. And you probably know this just by me telling you it's this this guy on a black horse with a bloody axe with this horned helmet uh, where you can't see his face. And he's got these glowing red eyes. And this uh, uh, painting achieved real great fame in the mainstream. Uh, it was an album cover for a band called Molly Hatchet in 1978. It was their debut album and they used this image on the cover. So this this image all of a sudden the late 70s was just exploding everywhere. And so. You know, Frank Frazetta's estate um, has granted uh, this company the the and working with this company to um, to do a new Death Dealer comic uh, based on this painting um, uh, or using this painting as a starting point. Uh, Frazetta did some other Death Dealer paintings over the years, but this one is the most iconic. Uh, there have been attempts in the past to do Death Dealer as comics. Uh, Glenn Danzig's Verodic imprint in the 90s did a four-issue Death Dealer miniseries, which did also boast some original covers by Frank Frazetta. But then a few years later, Image did a six-issue miniseries, um... That uh, was actually fully endorsed by Frank Frazetta before he passed. Um, so he was like, seems like he was more on board as far as the story for the image miniseries, but loved the idea that Verodic was doing it before then. That's why he contributed the covers. But apparently from what I was reading, he was like fully endorsing the image six issue series. Did uh, you ever so- read it? I never read either of them, okay. so,
0: um, so I don't know if there uh, were origin stories.
1: Well, that's the thing. So I was in, in doing a little bit of research just to try and see where this fit in, if this was a new take uh, or a continuation of the old ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, the the what my from what I could tell, the Glenn Danzig one, which boasted art by Simon Bisley, uh, Liam Sharp uh, on issues two and three, and Arthur Seidman doing issue four. Uh, so you had some real heavy hitter, hitter artists, especially for this sort of sordid sorcery barbar type genre mm-hmm. in that, in that mini Uh, but it was ri- it was a comic written by Glenn Danzig. So, so take that for what you will. Um, and so a lot of the stuff I could really find as far as telling me story heavy was the, the image series uh, that did delve into the origin of the death dealer. Uh, There were also a series of novels in the late eighties, early nineties. And the first novel also gives the origin. And it looks like they're using the same origin in both the image uh, comic series, as well as the novels. This, It looks to be something absolutely new a new take on frank frazetta's death dealer it does seem that it will be delving into the origin of the death dealer Mm. but it looks like they give him a different name i think in um uh i think in like the 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 novels and the image series i think it's like garth or something is his is his name and i think in this one he's called like kerr Kerr, yeah yeah and this doesn't reinvent the wheel this is a basic barbarian story you 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 have your your lone savage barbarian who is the death dealer uh rescuing a a beautiful voluptuous young woman mm-hmm. with a child the child for some reason really kind of gravitates to this guy um you could tell right away that that uh, uh that this death dealer is cursed because he has this running dialogue in his head Uh, With some entity, Uh, and at first I was like, "Oh, this is kind of like barbaric," because it 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 almost seemed like he was talking to his (laughs) axe, yeah. And then you kind of realize, no, it's really something, uh, you know. So, so using, I, you know, if they're using the helmet. it's the helmet. So, yeah. and that's, if they're using the other origin stories that have been told as a template. Yes. The, the helmet is cursed by the God of death. And, and this, this guy is now wearing this and he's bonded with this helmet. Mm. And so what's kind of cool, like judge dread in the far future, uh, death dealer in this barbaric past never removes his helmet. And I always think that that's a cool, cool thing to do for a character. It really does create an air of mystery yes. um, to never see this guy's face. Um, um, and again, I think that's part of the appealing thing about the original painting, because the, the details of the face are just shadow, are just all in shadow, you mm-hmm. know, so you just get the outlines of the helmet and some details on the helmet and then the glowing eyes. And so that being said, I think it's very hard to just take this painting and use that as a, a starting point, mm-hmm. especially if somebody's already done it before. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could either, you know, y- you do have a fresh... Uh, a page or fresh concept to work with because there's, there's just this painting and you're just building off of that. But again, the, the barbarian genre, I mean, is there's so much of it out there that a lot of it does tend to sort of read the same. So if you have some stellar knockout art, you know um, to, to really pull that through and a really compelling story um, you know, you got something special here and this, this, Almost does it. I think the art is is really good uh, uh, at, at conveying this world. Uh, things are clear and make sense. Uh, the you know he does draw Death Dealer as he should be large, imposing, and brutal. You know, and um, you know, and he's obviously you know he's being chased by. Uh, a possessed beings from his past right uh as and they're also after the girl and the baby it looks like as well um but as far as an introductory issue this is very slim it is just it is just all set up uh, for him to you know you, you get introduced to the bad guy right in the beginning you you get introduced to death dealer and then this girl and the baby and then he has to go and get food by the time he comes back they've been kidnapped and that's how the threads start to come together. Right. So he now has to go get them very bare bones first issue. But Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, it's uh, it, it seems like there's a lot of care and attention being put into this. So I think ultimately when this whole story is told, it should be something pretty memorable and hopefully will lead to more because, Their plan Uh uh, for for Opus Comics and Incendium, Uh uh, along with the Frazetta Girls, uh, which is the estate of Frank Frazetta, um, they are planning a whole Frazetta universe in Uh comics using Death Dealer as the beginning and then going to his other works and creating stories based on his other paintings and his other characters that he, that he has created uh, visually. Uh, so I really hope it works for them. It's, it's I, I think they do have their work cut out for them. Uh, but if this first issue is, uh, is any indication, I think they're, they you know, they're going to do okay and they have a really good plan uh, going forward. So I'm really kind of excited to see what they're going to do with this. Um, I would say the only thing that I question—I I mentioned this yesterday—is you, you, you have—you know, of course they do the multiple covers, and the main covers is this beautiful cover by Simone Bianchi, one of my favorite artists. Uh, but you have a thing called Fred, Frank Rosetta's Death Dealer, but your main cover isn't that isn't that image. That's the B cover, right? Mm. Um, so I kind of thought that was a little funny. Uh, the Simone Bianchi art art for the the main cover is gorgeous but i did find that a little interesting that um they opted for the b cover to be the actual painting that this is based on
0: yeah yeah. that's a
1: minor minor quibble
0: yeah no yeah yeah and for the most part i I, yeah i agree with everything that you said and you know when you're whenever you're starting something new it's just uh you just got to take the leap of faith right and just hope that the decisions you're making are right um i i like the the book was fucking paced really quickly like, mm-hmm. I I compare it to, you know, Highlander 2, from one freaking uh, <laughs> McLeod, first met the freaking girl, what's her name, from uh, Candyman? Um,
1: Virginia Madsen.
0: From their screen time. In yeah. less than five minutes, they're betting one another in the freaking alley. <laughs> This That's was the same a, fucking a thing. Here, <laughs> he yeah. rescued the girl from these wolves in less than five minutes. They're bedding each other, uh, which was <laughs> hilarious because it just popped into my head. However, though, this is what I will say. So the art was great, the color was great. The, I, I got the Frazetta cover because I I had to get the Frazetta cover. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then inside, it, it's 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 comic book art, right? Um, but really well. I mean, the anatomy is fantastic. The the and the thing is, is like with Frazetta's art. There was so much movement, even if there wasn't movement. Yes, if that yes. makes any sense, like it makes the, perfect yeah, sense. Yeah, like the bodies were never linear, and straight. They always had this really accentuated, like style about them to pose. Um, so it, it it made it feel so. And I, dude, yeah, you, like I grew up watching the covers. I couldn't afford any of them. So I'd be, like, at the stands and shit like that. And you see <laughs> these fucking covers. And they're beautiful. Yeah. Just beautiful. So whenever I had an opportunity and, I, you know, I had friends that had them, dude, I would just stay at them all the time because the anatomy was. And it was, like, classic Greek bodies. Yeah. um, Just drawn. Not drawn. They were painted. I mean, he was a freaking painter. Yeah. So, I mean, you want to talk about a freaking artist. Yeah. Um, uh, but and, was... and
1: he did, he did a thing too, especially like, I think of like a lot of the Conan stuff, you know, a lot of artists will do a, a very symmetrical, uh, physical body, right. Mm-hmm. Where, where the muscles match left and right. Mm-hmm. Right. And he does this thing. That's a little more real life, especially if you're not a bodybuilder sculpting your body, you're just out there existing and fighting stuff um asymmetrical uh musculature mm-hmm. which i always love like so like that one painting of conan it's it's a six pack but it's not like an even six pack right, right? like one ab that's like a little longer than yeah. the other and yeah. like I, I like there's a, a realism there, you know, and like you said, like like the 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 even when it's uh you know because he does a lot of paintings with movement and you see that movement of a guy charging in with an axe or whatever. But even if it's something like the Death Dealer painting or again that that famous Conan painting, um, where the characters are just standing there, yep. if you look at the painting, you can almost see them breathing, you know, like yeah, that's yeah, exactly. the, that's the the movement that he puts in there. Yeah, which on is a great. Still figure.
0: So and so with this. Cartoon, well, it's more comic book art. It's it's hard to yeah. like say you know where Frizetta's influence uh, lies, if there's any. And to me, when I saw that first splash page of you know the woman holding a child and the wolves coming down, I could absolutely see that as a Frazetta painting. Yeah. because um, it captured the essence of the way you know what he did. Because it wasn't just what he you know the way he drew, but also his subjects. Uh, and and what he drew so yeah that, that you could see the influence in there and sort of like the uh the nod to his style um of choosing like you know certain compositions on the page and stuff like that which was great so the art was great yeah and I think you know the, the only thing that I would say in here is if you read it quickly you probably miss like sort of like the undertones because there is a, a a deeper meaning right so you have you know the story of you know the death dealer Finding this woman, they're having their little freaking back and forth banter, and then they have their sexual encounter, and then he goes to get food, and then he comes back, she's gone. But there's these little subtle things that happen in there that I think if they brought more attention to it, it would have brought a little bit more to the story. So, one, every time he's in trouble, he can call upon death. So he has to almost like Shazam kind of thing. Yeah. And it makes him indestructible or whatever it is for that amount of time. But every time he does that, a piece of his soul yep. is taken by death. So I don't know how much time he has left or how many times he can say it, before he's fully taken over and he's long long occur, but he's actually the death dealer right. um, in, in its entirety. So there's a struggle with that. Now the whole cave system that he had set up as well, was a death trap. Yeah, not to keep people out, but to actually fucking kill him. Yes. So he's struggling with, you know, taking his own life so that nobody can be cursed or stopping the curse of himself before it, it actually takes over him. But he doesn't want to die either. Right. So I right. found that like it wasn't it wasn't overly emphasized, and I think you had to read into that or you had to infer that yourself. But I think he's struggling with wanting to stay alive, but he's also cursed at the same time, but he doesn't want to be taken Or does it want to, you know, have this curse be still on somebody else? So I thought that plot point, if that was like, if that's, if I'm saying it correctly and I read it correctly, that's fucking fantastic because there's a struggle there. Because he's not an asshole, even though sometimes he can talk like an asshole (laughs) and he wants to live. So there's a struggle of not wanting to die, but at the same time, not wanting to be possessed or taken over by this, this, you know, this death soul. Yeah. So I think if they if they if they stay on that path and they can hit that message and nail that message home, then there's this sort of like constant back and forth and the struggle that he has to deal with in regards to do I take my life now or do I keep pushing forward? Um, but at the same time, there isn't any. Um, what is that? That's uh, it's the cat in the litter box. Okay. <laughs> See so the cat's taking his shit while I'm talking. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh my god! I was like, I was like, what's he,
1: what's he gonna notice? The, the cat in his litter box, or is the landlord doing yard work right out front? Of oh, it's the
0: cat. <laughs> it sounds like a fucking DJ. No, I know it's kitty litter. All right, so back to what I was saying. So I think the only thing—what was I saying? Fuck the fucking cat took me out of thought.
1: <laughs>
0: so yeah, so I guess that that struggle there, but there also wasn't any point in him. Trying to find a way to uh, relieve himself of the helmet because he can't take it off, right? Right. So now he's th- this girl's gone, and the only person, fucking cat's doing it again. The only yeah. person that could help him find a girl is this sorceress. So, it, it, yeah, I, I'm just, a, I'm, I'm definitely going to give it uh, another read uh, or another issue because I want to see where it's going. I mean, it's beautifully drawn. There's things in here that I really liked that I'll probably take for myself as far as like, you know, um, composition and stuff like that. So, yep. Yeah, really, really good stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. So if you if you guys are, you know, a, a fan of Frank Vizetta, um, or even like freaking, you know, fantasy stuff, this would be yeah. right up your alley. You won't it's be disappointed. Scratches yeah. that
1: itch. Yeah. And,
0: and it's a new indie imprint. So, you know, show some support. So Opus and uh, uh, Ascendium, hopefully they'll, uh, they'll get some stuff going there. Because, you know, we need it. Like if they have just all fantasy world and a whole fantasy universe and they do it really well, sure. shit, it could it could do really well.
1: Yeah. and and beyond the Frazetta world stuff that they're doing they also do comics based on um uh musicians and bands so like in uh, there they have an ad in the back here uh there's a uh, an evanescence comic book that they have yep. a comic book from the band disturbed uh there's even a uh what looks like a joe satriani written thing called crystal planet so so opus again you know is a musical term uh and it seems like really where they're where they're going um with their with their other stuff too so it's uh let's see what this company does but you know good good first uh first issue at the gate
0: yeah for sure okay cool yeah so check it out guys uh frank Frizzetta's death dealer from opus all right, one more to go. So uh, we move on to who? another one of my uh, favorite covers. Yes. This is Jenny Frizzan. um So Grim, and this is from Boom Studios. Uh, yeah, this is uh, written by Stephanie Phillips, uh, illustrated by Flaviano. One word name, man. <laughs> uh, like Madonna and Cher. Uh, colored <laughs> by Enrico Renzi and lettered by Tom Napoli- Napolitano. Um, I like this book. Oh, yeah. This was such a... I mean, fuck, we read two books on death. Death uh, and Axes. And, yes, and Axes. <laughs> well, she has a Sith, so it's a little she bit different. She does have a size. yeah. Yes. I um, yeah, so... We just have another take on the story of the Grim Reaper. Um, really clever stuff in here, which is cool. So basically what you need to know is it opens up with this guy who's, you know. Out, and you know what? I actually like that sequence in the beginning because ah, it kind of threw yeah. me off. It had like the panel. Then you had sort of like the cracked windshield and saw the yeah. fucking body laying there. Yeah. And then all of a and then obviously you have, you uh, um, don't fear the reaper, so uh, a little on the nose, but yes. yes. Um, <laughs> uh, and then it kind of just like pans in, sort of like how you pointed out in uh, what was that one with uh, Alice? Alice and Neville, uh, uh, Alice Ever After, right? Yeah, so kind of like or
1: the shop, yeah,
0: yeah. So they did that pullback or the shot, um, with this particular thing, and the guy finds out after he meets uh, what the hell's her name, her real name, something Harrow, uh, Jessica Harrow, Jessica Harrow, yeah, Jessica um, Harrow, yeah. So she's actually. A Reaper. So we, we've come to know the, the the Grim Reaper as being one being or one entity that takes souls from wherever they're supposed to go from point A to point B. Um, there are actually, we find out, multiple Reapers um, that are assigned to people and they're not all skeletons with big hoods and stuff like that. Which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. So, so each Reaper is assigned to obviously a person to take their soul from point A, which is from the living, uh, to point B. Um, which is what they call intake, which is this huge waiting room, yes. um, and then you know they're going to be taken from there, whatever it is. So basically, you have Jessica Harrow, who is a reaper, who does not know how she died. Mm-hmm. So it's it's funny because you know I'm there's a whole bunch of inferring that you have to do your own. Like you, you take certain information, and I'm like, oh, I know this is going to happen. Oh, I know this is going to happen, and then you read a couple of pages and see whether or not it happens. Yeah. At this point, we've been reading for so long, so many different comics that, you know, 95% of the time, we're right. Um, and then this was just one of those times where I was right. But I don't know if I'm right because I have to read the next issue to see if that was the case. Okay. So you have this gentleman. He's, you know, meeting his Reaper for the first time. He's not believing that he's dead. Um, she's like, nope, you got to freaking face the facts. And then basically she's, you know, taking him over to what they call Intake. Um, and throughout this whole process, they're having a conversation. So I, I, I'm almost positive the conversation is him being extremely nervous about where they're going so he can't shut up. And yes. he's telling him to shut up half the time. Um, and so, you know, you have all these instances where he's like, oh, is this the River Styx? Is it Hades? Um, and she's like, yeah, that's what you want to call it. Or, you know, death has many names or whatever it is. So all these things that we know as legend um, don't really mean anything to them because it's, it's a completely different system mm-hmm. um, in that respect. So basically, she gets her, he, she gets him over to intake. They're having a conversation, just really wonderful conversation about, you know, how he wasn't supposed to be where he was supposed to be that night, all the way till you find out how he died and then wants to know how she died. And then you kind of see sort of like this look on her face where it, it, it's, 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 a, it's a question that she can't answer because she doesn't know. Um, but it's affecting her in a way where everything that she knows, it's the one thing that she doesn't know, and it bothers her um, in that respect. So it takes her to intake. She goes over to talk to a couple of other Reapers and finds out that her Scythe, if you want to say, not Sith. Is that correct? <laughs> I think it's Scythe. Sky, okay, I'm going to call me. it a Sith. You call it Scythe. To tomato. Okay. tomato. <laughs> uh, that her <laughs> Sith is missing, uh, and she thinks that he's taken it. So she goes to her buddies to find out if they can help her, you know, retrieve it before their superior, I think, it's called Admira or Admira, um, finds out uh, about this, and then she gets in trouble. Um, and then, long story short, at the very end of this, um, well, I'll give, ah, fuck it, I'm gonna give it away because this is what I inferred. Um, <laughs> in in this world, their world runs parallel to ours, which yeah. means they can't see us and we can't interact. So at the very end, she jumps on uh, the guy, I forgot his name, the guy that stole the Sith. Yeah, the um, guy that,
1: that she gathers at the beginning. Yeah. Correct. It's the guy that got yeah. she
0: gathers at the beginning. He actually did take the Sith because he wanted to go back and visit his ex-girlfriend. Which is the um, whole
1: reason why he wound up dying in the first dying place. Dying
0: in the first place. Yeah. Um, so she ends up chasing him down. She has this big fucking skull face, which is scary as shit, which is awesome. Yes. Um, and then tackles him. And then all of a sudden, a police officer pulls her off or pulls her up from the ground, not off of anybody because he can't see the other guy. Right. But they just think picks she fell. Yeah. yeah. She thinks she fell, that she's drunk. And then it finishes off with, Can you, you can see me? And he says, Of course I can. Go sleep it off. And it ends there. So this is my take on this, right? So the fact that he's taking the Sith from her makes him a new Reaper. Right. And now she's alive. Right. That they, yeah. Which that is they... fucking cool as balls.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah, so I mean, story-wise I was I was brought in. I mean, you you got something that we've, you know, heard a thousand stories on, but you've got a really cool spin and take on it. A uh, more updated. It felt like, I don't know if you ever saw the movie with uh, Ryan Reynolds, um called RIPD. Oh yeah, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Bridges. also so based the, on a
1: comic. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: So the Rest in Rest in Peace Department. Yes. Um. <laughs> yeah, this kind of felt like that. So instead of it being fucking uh, cops that were taking people in. This was the Reapers taking people from point A to point B. And, you know, obviously you have some people that want to run away. And some hijinks happen. And and this happens to her. So, yeah, I, the art was great. The The pacing in here was great. You had enough of information in it, and you had enough information left out to leave you intrigued, wanting to learn more. Um, and the way that it finished, I was like, yeah, I definitely want to know what the hell happens next. Because the freaking boss at the end looks like a really evil fucking bitch uh, yes. this is going to send an army after this chick so um, yeah Stephanie did a really great job in writing this uh, and uh, Flaviano one name only yeah. <laughs> uh, did an awesome job on the art and stuff like that so I, I definitely would recommend this book what do you
1: think, Cole? Yeah, same here. Uh, this I I also had certain expectations of what this was and where this was going to go and what it reminded me of, you know. Uh, and I, I, you know, we've seen the character of Death as you know as a young woman, um, most notably in Neil Gaiman's yep. Sandman mm-hmm, series, mm-hmm. Uh, and more recently in uh, Carmen by Gil uh, G- yep. March, which is beautiful. Um, if you guys which, haven't read that, holy yeah. shit! But They do different things. And Mm -hmm. so, what I was pleasantly surprised on this. Was was the little hooks in the story that that were were making it different, right? So uh, again, the structure of the underworld and how that plays out, I thought was was really well done, really interesting, uh, very different for what from what I thought we were getting into. Uh, the 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 his obsession with his ex girlfriend, mm-hmm. uh, which leads to him to steal her skies, and then you know leads to them to go c- try and capture him. I thought was a really neat twist that again i didn't expect i did not see that coming um and then again and then you get you go down to the 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 art um and the colors uh really all are, are in sync and firing on all cylinders here um you know the the, the blues uh, for the you know the, the beginning scene, the red for the river stick scene, the yellows mm-hmm. for the waiting room. You know all the all all the elements I think are like are just perfect in this book, and it is a really good first issue. And then the little surprises that. Jessica Harrow doesn't always look like this way. She can give herself the scary skull face. So is that her true face or is that just uh, something to intimidate? Right. right. Um, and then again, that hook at the end, that cliffhanger at the end, that now she is corporeal and existing in the real world, while her compatriots and the guy that, that she just uh, collected, you know, um, are now you know you know. again like you said he might now Be a new reaper and I thought There was and then again for Stephanie Phillips Writing there were some really nice touches like The one thing that really grabbed me um, On like the second page Was when he comes to and he looks At this car in, in the middle of the woods And he's outside of the car and his first Instinct is whose car is that yeah and he's like, "Oh wait, that's my car!" You know, and he's like, "I'm lucky to be alive." And then she shows up, and she's like, "You're not alive!" You know. Mm-hmm. So, real good uh, uh, pacing um, uh, in 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 the script, and the dialogue, and the storytelling. So, uh, Boom Studios, I think this is going to be very interesting, um, and I think this is going to be probably a wild ride. And if the first issue is any indication, uh, I think there's a lot of um, uh, expectations that might be turned on its head as this story unfolds.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah liked it a lot so we'll see what happens so Grim from Boom Studios uh, definitely it again you guys will not be disappointed on that Um, so there are your three books for this week uh, enough to to keep you going for at least another week and stuff like that so (laughs) all right, cool so yeah so just another quick reminder that our Kickstarter for uh, Project Shadow Breed Volume 2 Number 1 is still live I think we're just about two and a half weeks out before the end um, so you want to visit AmazingActionComics.com, and it'll give you the link for the Kickstarter on there as well. Uh, we'd love f- uh, for you guys to support it. Um, yeah, and if you like what you're hearing, definitely freaking click subscribe, because we'll be here every week giving out two cents and a half on comics that come out for that week. Um, if you are a creator looking to promote yourself and or your project, just go over to AmazingActionComics.com slash podcast. Fill out the form. Phil and I would love to have you on um, to help promote your your project and and get your stories out there into the world. Do not forget to support your local comic shops. Um, They're getting smaller and smaller every year, unfortunately. Uh, But we want them to remain around for as many generations as possible. And Phil, where do you get your comics from?
1: Well, I get mine at The Joker's Child in Fairlawn, New Jersey. Uh, and you know we just had a, a really good free comic book day even though it was rainy uh, we were steady we sold a lot of stuff people were happy and having a good time but you know what we didn't sell all the stuff so we got so <laughs> much more stuff for you to come by check out and buy. All right.
0: Believe it or not guys that's not rehearsed that just comes off the top of my head just, every time I make this every stuff, single I, time I never plan for this I should right.
1: I should plan for this and I never do <laughs> <laughs> alright
0: kiddies, that is all that we have for you this week until next time please be amazing stay amazing and read something amazing